0: Ah, this is the Sports Booth podcast coming at you live uh, from Marietta on a dreary but great day. Uh, Chris, it's a great day for Ducks, buddy. How you doing? Yeah, yeah I'm doing well. Yeah,
1: man. I think we made it uh, through the monsoon. Hopefully we're out of it. It's, it's been pouring. It's, it's been looking like my jump shot out here, Mitch. Just <laughs> straight, straight wet, you know, just wet. soaking, man. But doing going pretty well up here. I uh, uh, shout out the Maritime Academy of Toledo. Uh, we had our commencement tonight. And uh, really just seniors all across the nation and the world. Just congratulations on uh, graduating. And um, so that, that, was re- that was really fun to watch. I, I, uh, I enjoyed that. I was there for that.
0: But uh, how's everything going down in Marietta? Oh, man. Marietta is great. Um, stuff is opening up in Marietta. Actually, today, Chris, I the, the restaurants in Marietta opened, mm. and I went out to eat. Wow. For the wow. first time in forever. It was fantastic. Mm. One, b- because it's Bob Evans, and Bob Evans is always fantastic. Always, always. Um, second, because – there was like three people in the restaurant, including me and my wife, uh, which ensured prompt service. Absolutely. Uh, The food was on point. And I got to see somebody that wasn't like my family or Luna. So it was fantastic. Um, listen, if you're out there and you're afraid of COVID stay home, but if you're not, the food is slap right now.
1: Get, get some grub and I'm with you there, man. I, uh, My wife and I, we went out to eat at Kermit's here in Bowling Green, and this was last week, so it wasn't inside dining, Uh, so it was outside tables. And, it, you know, for a small town like Bowling Green, it felt like, you know, I was in the city market. We were right on the main strip of town, right on the sidewalk. It was actually really nice, but um, I've had the best meal I think I ever had was at Bob Evans once, and it was, I went in there, I, I ordered crepes and French toast. So any of you that just want to totally disregard your body for an evening or a day and order crepes and French toast for your uh, meal, I I highly suggest it. That that was amazing. Bob Evans, always always a go-to.
0: Yes, yes, yes. So, um, listen, since we're talking about restaurants opening, um, let's talk about uh, Gene Smith uh, had a press conference, uh, came out and said, look, I think we can play football. And he said that um, I think he said he thinks that if we if Ohio Stadium has to abide by the uh, the social distancing rules, that we could fit twenty two thousand people in Ohio Stadium, um, and that's if they abide by this by the social distancing rules. But um, he said that if they if they were to uh, Lax in the rules by football season that he could probably fit 60 to 80,000 in there so uh, good news for Buckeye yeah, fans absolutely. Um, uh, I talked to a source today that said that there probably will be uh, a Buckeye season that starts on on time. Uh, they're, re- they're reporting to camp July f- or June 5th um yep. and they'll be doing voluntary workouts so yep. that's a good sign right chris yeah absolutely NCA legislation coming out
1: and uh enabling men's basketball women's basketball and football programs to uh start voluntary conditioning workouts uh exactly when you said that uh first week of june first full week of june and um also a little bit of a flex by gene smith with the Oh, maybe we could get 20,000, 40,000. And like just thinking about the loss in seating, where some teams are like 20,000. Right. I'd love to get 20,000. But um, yeah, for all of us sports fans uh, and college football fans, especially in a little bit of a, um, you know, we've seen other states down south really opening up, especially in a state that's kind of still not there yet. It's great news, encouraging news. Uh, for all of us uh, sports junkies out there.
0: Yeah, let me ask you a question real quick. Um, Listen, you have one college football game that you could go to and no more. After this, you're done. Um, Which stadium do you go to and why?
1: Well, you know the answer to this, and I've been telling you this since since we've known each other, and you've been trying to convince me I just haven't been able to do it yet, but I need to get down the horseshoe. I know it. I need to watch a game. And everybody says that it. it's not the same. You know, it's a whole new experience. It's a whole new level. And I would honestly love to do that sometime. Uh, so if I had to pick one game to go to, uh, it would be a game at the shoe. Um, and, you know, obviously a, a high-level game against a Big Ten opponent or top-tier opponent would be would be amazing. Uh,
0: for your, If you had to choose one game, would it be anywhere other than the shoe for you? Yeah, it would have to be somewhere other than Ohio State. Um, I think if I had to choose, I can only go to one, I think I would go see the Buckeyes Mm -mm. at a night game at Penn State. I think that would be really sweet on a whiteout. I think that would be really fun. Now, if I have to go outside of the Big Ten, I think I would go uh, over to uh, Oregon Yes. And, and watch uh, in, in Austin Stadium, uh, I think that would be a fantastic move yeah. as well. Also, I've heard, I don't know about this, but I've heard that LSU has a great stadium atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, you think about a lot
1: of those SEC uh, stadiums and those those programs that it's just, you know, just from watching on TV, it's just electric. Think about the Aggies down at Texas A&M also, that yeah. – that, these serious vibes. Um, but yeah, the wideout at Penn State would be something to really be a part of. Um, and, and you know, this is kind of where college football really makes its separation from the NFL, where we're seeing 70,000 capacity at some NFL stadiums, and you, you don't really have those traditions such as the wideout or the 12th man. Uh, well, except in Seattle, you do. But you know um but college football is just an explosion of energy of passion and uh definitely be something you know that we'd be missing out on if if there are any cancellation or postponement to the season for sure
0: yeah because listen if they if there's no fans there then there's no mental edge to being at home listen it's just all heart like i am better than you yeah. you know what i mean it's just yeah. oh,
1: boys that's it Absolutely. Yeah, it would just be football. It would just be basketball, whatever the sport is, without the yeah. fans. Uh, you know, it's a, I don't know anybody out there that isn't, but if you did not have a true appreciation for fans, uh, I think that could ring very true here soon for some teams that have to experience empty stands. Uh, you know, I know for thinking about the Cavs games we've been to, um, or even like Browns, and just, like, how excited we get and just how into it we get. And um, that would definitely be missing out. But, I would, you know, to be able to still play sports, sometimes you got to do do things you don't you don't want to, but you got to do it. So uh, so we'll see how that shakes out. But the wideout, Penn State, uh, going out to Eugene, those would definitely be some high-tier uh, ball games to catch.
0: Yeah, and one of the reasons why is because I'd have a chance of meeting Ed Orderon. And, like, that's why I would want to go to LSU, because I feel like just hearing him talk would make my life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean?
1: I totally agree. I just – you know, even if it's just get out of my face, you know, get out of my race. (laughs) He's always like like
0: that. He's like, listen, here, I'm just here to play football, but let me get out there and and, uh, go out there and throw the football and uh, give me some crawfish.
1: That was really good. That was really good. (laughs) So Maybe I'll do
0: more impressions on the show, dude.
1: (laughs) Even if it was something like – yeah, my face. You're weird. Stop, stop running up to me. Yeah. Uh, just, just to hear him talk. Uh, that, that I, I, agree with you. That was one of my highlights of, you know, watch, watching LSU games. You know, being an Athens native and watching Joe Burrow down there, I made more of a point to watch LSU these last couple of years. And I remember bringing over my wife and other friends, like specifically, like after the game, uh, you know, turn up the volume, turn, Coach O's talking. You guys need, to, you guys need to hear Coach O. Uh, so. We'd better be hearing some Coach O this season or we're going to have some problems, college football.
0: Bro, my favorite uh, Coach O quote was, listen, open Ohio, he's called Joe Burrow. Down here in LSU, he's called Joe Burrow. <laughs> <laughs> With the A on it, dude. Yeah, Joe Burrow. I love yeah. it. I love yeah, it. We, 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 we could all
1: use some uh, Coach O for sure, for sure.
0: Yes. All right, man. Uh, let's let's get into the NFL. Um, and guys, we got a packed show for you today. Uh, we're planning on talking about some uh, NFL, uh, Bengals, Browns. Um, maybe discussing some NBA. Um, and then uh, top, we're we're going to discuss uh, which which sports players we think could have a ten part documentary. Uh, this this is inspired by The Last Dance, yep. um, And and you know, there's only like a few players. I mean, Michael Jordan is obviously the goat. Um, he's in an elite class. He just has that personality. And I think for an athlete, I think it would be very challenging. Sorry, guys, my dog's going. Um, uh, George Costanza here, but um, Luna, stop. Okay, sorry. Um, Very good. But, but uh, no, but I think that it would be super cool to see some of the athletes that we have picked. Uh, oh, yeah. So, we'll we'll have that discussion later today. Chris, man, what's going on with the Bengals? So, uh,
1: you know, for the most part with our Ohio teams um, and really most of the other 31 teams, unless are the Dallas Cowboys, trying to negotiate with Dak Prescott – there isn't really too much uh, major news coming out of camp right now out of each program. Uh, off-season programs are, we're in the middle of uh, them running right now. R- rookie minicamps have been going on. Uh, and so out of Bengals specifically, not too much other than uh, rookie minicamps through through Zoom have been happening. But also uh, sources have uh, said that Joe Burrow, the number one pick of this past NFL draft, has been... Uh, leading his own workouts and texting guys like A.J. Green, um, Tyler Boyd, a couple of the other offensive players there about, you know, st- starting some workouts, and this is all Joe again to start himself. So good sign if you're a Bengals fan of your working quarterback, taking initiative, uh, reaching, out to, reaching out to the guys, uh, and, you know, ready to get rolling. And, I mean, that just sounds like somebody who is ready to work, Uh who wants to win, who wants to put in the work, who wants to get in the chemistry right now with the guys he's going to be throwing the rock to. So good news out of Bengals camp on that front. Uh, Still no extensions for Joe Mixon as of yet, but sounds like, um, you know, management front office is definitely behind an extension for him. Just have to come to terms. But, yeah, uh, Mitch, what do you think about – do you agree that this is a good sign of Joey starting his – own workouts with his own uh, receivers down there in Cincinnati?
0: You know, I think if any team in the NFL has a major disadvantage, it's the Bengals. Um, they're bringing in a lot of uh, new guys on the defense. Um, they're se- a lot of their secondary players are new. Um, they're learning. They're going to have a learning curve. Their quarterback is a rookie. That He's going to have a learning curve. Um, and, you know, the coach, like, it's he's a second-year coach, um, and so he's going to have to navigate some of these new personalities and try and figure out how to balance this, and there's no training camp, um, no rookie yeah. mini camp, none of that. And so he's going to have to figure that out as he goes. And so, um, you know, I think that the Bengals would have had a tough season this way just in general, but now you add in the coronavirus, and I think they're really, really going to struggle this year. Um, so I I think they're a good football team. Let me, let me say this, Chris, I think they're a good football team, but I also think that they will not win, do a lot of winning this year. And that's not to say anything bad about the Bengals. I'm not being a Browns homer. What I'm saying is, is I think they have a tough road to hoe. Um, and the cards that they've drawn are not the best. Yeah, so um,
1: I so. Yeah, I I agree, and as Browns fans, we've seen firsthand uh, pretty consecutively here now. We've seen firsthand the value of experience. You know, between your coaching staff, between your players, you know, it, experience really is a huge part of winning in the NFL and professional leagues in general, uh, because the the talent level is that much higher. Is it you know everybody's, you know, the, it's it's the elite of the elites at this game, at this sport, um, and so, and so, yeah, it's, we've seen that first thing at the Browns, and I agree with you. Not knock on the Bengals, but with limited access to each other, um, this could definitely cause some roadblocks for them. Uh, one, you know, but we we all see the talent, and most recently, um, Joe Burrow and AJ Green were mentioned. At number four in a rankings for um, top new quarterback receiver duos, headlined by Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, uh, which is a pretty good duo there. So the, the talent is evident in Cincinnati offensively, you know, with between Tyler Boyd and AJ and Joe Mixon, the, the guys are there. But yes, I agree with you. I can see the struggles just from the experience aspect.
0: Well, and from a from a talent perspective, if you look at the AFC North, um, you could potentially have four of the best quarterbacks in football. Um, yep. Lamar yep. Jackson is probably, um, you know, he was MVP last year, wasn't he? Or was that yeah? Yep.
1: no, that was, he was MVP
0: Lamar. last year. Um, you know, you have Ben Roethlisberger, a, a Super Bowl winner, uh, two time, I think, right? Wait, yep. Uh, wakes up. And Rosal Ben throws for
1: 4,500
0: yards if he's healthy. Yep. Um. You have Baker Mayfield who's broke a rookie touchdown record, Uh, and now you have the best prospect since Andrew Luck going to the Bengals. So, from a talent perspective, also you have to think of the wide receivers too. You got uh, Marquise Brown, I think is his last name, in in Baltimore. Yeah, Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown, you've got Odell and Jarvis. Yeah, You've got Juju Smith-Schuster, mm. and you've got A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd. Yeah. That's the best – that's the most stacked receiver division for sure. Um, and then you got to think about from a defensive standpoint, uh, you know, the defenses are loaded. The Browns, you know, the Browns especially with Miles Garrett uh, coming off the edge, Olivier Vernon – um, you got Denzel Ward, you got Greedy Williams. And then you look at that Raven, the Ravens always have a good defense. They always have good defense and Pittsburgh,
1: they have, I would call them an elite defense, uh, that they have going on there by themselves. And since they made some really good moves, acquiring some uh, depth at the defensive back position this off season and, uh, drafting three linebackers in the draft. So we know what their aim is, um, and, and so, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And going back to – so, so basically, this division is not slowing down. That's something else that the Bengals have going against them. These are three other teams in their divisions that these teams view themselves as contenders, uh, not only division contenders, but Super Bowl contenders is how these teams view themselves. Um, and so, the division is not slowing down for Cincinnati. Um, so, so, back to our initial point, I agree, it could be a little bit of a rough stretch. Uh, some more some more Joe Burrow news. Jordan Palmer, um, who we all remember, uh his brother Carson down in Cincinnati, has become a quarterback guru. Uh, and re- I think overall just a football guru and trainer. Uh, it's not only quarterbacks that he's working with, but I hear a lot of other guys that have come through his training pre-draft. And he came out this week saying, you know – the biggest in- against Joe Burrow that a lot of scouts, a lot of analysts have found is his arm strength being a weakness. And Jordan Palmer has come out and stood up for his guy and just, you know, it, his point was depends on who you compare him to, right? So if you compare him to some of the guys coming out in these recent drafts, like in Mahomes or even think about Matt Stafford, these big arm guys – or if you compare him to a Tom Brady, or Peyton Manning, you know he's right there with Brady and Manning, the Hall of Famers, and in terms of arm strength, if not better, coming out. Uh, but he might not have the the strength that someone like Matt Matt Stafford has. So basically, his point was he does everything else well with his touch, with his accuracy, and we saw him do it in the toughest in the toughest conference in the nation. So I've been. I've been saying this for years, really, since I got to watch him at Athens that, you know, good quarterbacks put the ball where it's supposed to be. And it, if, if you put the ball where it's supposed to be, it doesn't matter um, who the receivers, who the defense is. And that's what Joey does. He, he puts the ball exactly where it's supposed to be. And the touch that he has, I think, is more than good enough for this league. Uh, so some more good news coming out of Bengals camp of some support for their new guy.
0: Well, and I think that the the Bengals, you've got to keep in mind, look, every quarterback has a weakness, you know? I mean, it just – besides Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) But (laughs) every quarterback has a weakness, you know? Uh, For example, Lamar Jackson, um, he – I don't think he's – I mean, he's accurate. But, you know, in terms of, like, decision-making, I think that's when he struggles if you can – Force him to make a quick decision. I think it, it turns into mistakes a lot. Yeah, uh, and, and, ben and Roethlisberger's was, injury prone. Yeah, uh, Baker is if he has too many options, he ends up throwing picks a lot and trying to force throws. Yeah, uh, Brady does not have the greatest arm strength in the world. Uh, and and so like to me, what you have to do is you have to scheme for your quarterback. And I think the best teams are the teams that can scheme for their quarterback and come up with a, pl- with a playbook that's tailored to their quarterback. And if they can do that, then you can win.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, and even when you think about the intangibles of these quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, another weakness that we've seen so far is inability to win on the biggest stage. You know, two straight playoff exits. 2 years ago against the Chargers his rookie year uh, definitely a less than extraordinary effort there or performance there and then you think about uh, you think about him this passer, going down the first round to albeit a um, or second round they made it to the, they got the first round by albeit to a Red Hot 10C team but we see that weakness there and then yeah I agree with Baker with the little bit of inconsistent play that we've seen um, but, but yeah, so I'm not entirely worried about Joey just because I've seen it firsthand for years that I believe he's going to put the ball where it's supposed to be um, maybe not 98 yards down the field on a throw where it's supposed to be. Uh, but, you know, he he's going to, and I agree, scheme for your guy. And that's where – that's what we just saw Joey live that out this last year when they switched passing game coordinators uh, and really open up the offense for him. So, 100% agreement with you there. Uh, yeah. Like, like, like Rick Ross, man. You gotta stay scheming with stay these quarterbacks, scheming. man. Uh, I, I know, I, I know you know that. Some, some, uh, stay scheming.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no. The, and I'll say this, and then we can move on to the Browns. But look, Joe Burrow, he is good. He's very good. But what's, what it's going to come down to is the scheme, um, yeah. the playbook. And, you know, like, for example, let's take the Colts, for example. Phillip Rivers, phenomenal passer. Big arm, uh, accurate, pretty accurate, um, but he's not mobile. So if the Titans go – or if the Colts go out and they are planning on having him do a lot of play action where he rolls out of the pocket, he's yeah. going to get crushed. He's not yeah. fast enough to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, so you've got to scheme around Joey. You've got to give him a West Coast offense. You've got to give him a lot of slants. You've got to give him a lot of turnaround comebacks um, and kind of allow the players around him like Tyler Boyd and, and A.J. Green and Joe Mixon to make the plays. I think if you're relying on um, – if you're – as a rookie, if you're relying on a rookie to make these explosive throws and not make any mistakes and all the pressures on them they're not going to be good so you've got to allow your more experienced veterans you've got to allow your playmaker your best playmakers to get open to get into the open field and to make a guy miss and I think that that's what the Bengals I think that's their scheme and that's their plan is to get AJ Green open draw a place to get AJ Green open or the defense may double-team A.J. Green, take him out of the game, but tyler they still got Tyler yeah. Boyd and John Ross. They've,
1: they've got depth. They've got serious depth.
0: Yeah, so, you know, I think they've done a good job building this. Uh, I think they've done a good job building this offense. So um, I, I think Joe will be fine. I think he'll be yep. fine this year.
1: Yep, I agree. Um, so in terms of building offenses, uh, let's head over to to the land with our Browns uh i have numerous reports numerous rankings have come out really um appreciating the the work that andrew berry andrew Barry's, uh, and stefanski have done this off season to completely you know really improve the browns uh, you know you look at their weaknesses last year a major one that being the offensive line what well, they do got, go out and get jack conklin uh, draft their get left tackle um in, in wills. So, and I know there was a recent ranking again on ESPN of teams that won the offseason. It's good to see our Cleveland Browns coming in. Uh, they are number two in this ranking of just really helping, helping themselves out at their areas of weakness. But as far as news, uh, Jarvis Landry spoke to the media yesterday and, uh, Said that he's still not entirely clear on a on a recovery. He says recovery is going well after his hip surgery, but but he's he's still he's still not entirely clear on uh, when what that date final day will look like when he returns. Um, he's aiming obviously for the beginning of the season, but you know whether whether he's actually there or not, uh, I really don't see as a huge concern because one depth. You still have Odell Beckham Jr. there. You still you brought back Higgins and you got Diamond Peoples Jones. So, worst case scenario, if Jarvis Landry is not on the field when the season starts, I can guarantee you he's going to be with those guys beside them all game, all offseason. Uh and so I'm I'm not too I'm not too concerned about Jarvis and his recovery time. Um just because the leader that he is and um and how he'll if he's not there uh the other he'll get the other guys prepared also what have you thought about just talking about Jarvis specifically over these first two years uh what what do you think about Jarvis and what he brings to the browns this upcoming season?
0: you know i think uh jarvis Landry i think he's good one i think he's gonna s- I think he's gonna be ready to go uh he's still got four four months um and some change left out there. Uh, so I'm optimistic for Jarvis, but what I'm what what I'm kind of excited for is the chance for uh, Hollywood Higgins to go out if if yep. if Landry's not there, Holly, Hollywood Higgins is going to go out and he's got a chance to make some big time money. And Hollywood Higgins, I think, is a he's a good receiver. I've yeah. always liked him. He's able to get open. Baker likes him. Baker has a good good chemistry with him.
1: That's clear, uh, Looks yeah. at to
0: him a lot in the slot, and so um, I'm excited about that. Another thing I'm excited about, if, if Landry's not ready to go, is Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to have uh, a chance to get in there at number three, maybe in the slot. Maybe they put him out and let um, Higgins in the slot, and they put him out as another deep guy. Just because of his size and his speed – Um, I think that Donovan Peoples-Jones has the ability and then Moss, a quarterback. His vertical is is insane, Um, and he has has massive hands, and he's tall. So I'm excited about Donovan Peoples-Jones maybe getting some time uh, to see how he develops, and I'm also excited about maybe um, Hollywood. I don't think that Hollywood Higgins will be here um the next season after this upcoming. Movie. Okay. Yeah. Um so I I and I like him. I want him to go out and and put some good film together and, and get on an NFL roster.
1: Yeah. And um and then you also think about a veteran like uh Damian Ratley who's also been in the program for a couple of years now at the receiver position also. And Baker's the type of quarterback that he's going to find the open guys. And we've seen the Browns receivers be able to catch the ball that hasn't been an issue since Baker's been there. The issue has been more so um, this last year accuracy and and pressure from the defensive line weaknesses on the offensive line. So yeah, I you know I love Jarvis Landry um, and I I think he's I, and when we talk about Browns jersey, I think that I think I made my decision. That's the Browns jersey I've got to get out of these out of these new jerseys. I love everything about him, and that's why you know he's he kind of listed you know it could be July, could be August, could be September. Um, but you know it's a little bit of a worry uh, here in those here in that September month being thrown out there. But again, he's the he's a type of of leader that I believe if he's not going to be there, he's going to make sure that whoever is will be ready. Uh, yeah. And so and so um, some news there with Jarvis Landry and his rehab from hip surgery. Uh, also, we have two rookie signings, Harrison Bryant, and uh, speaking of dumb, People Jones. People's Jones, uh, both of them have been signed. I'm really intrigued by Harrison Bryant. Um, you talk about a guy who's, who's selfless, willing to do it all for the team. Uh, this is a guy who went into the senior bowl and learned and picked up that new offense and just that little bit of time to be able to go out there and excel at what he was doing. He's comfortable on the football field doing various aspects of, of, of the game, uh, whether it's blocking or catching or not, not not even just catching, but be able to run any route that's asked of him and put himself in a position to catch the ball and, uh, and get, get some good rack yards. And so, um, and so I, I I really really am intrigued by how they use Harrison Bryant. I'm glad that he was a Cleveland Brown. Uh, but yeah, speaking of the other rookies signing, what do you what do you think about uh, Harrison Bryant coming in this coming in this new season?
0: I think uh, when I think of a Browns guy, uh, Harrison Bryant's the kind of guy I think of. Um, went to a college that was kind of uh, it wasn't a very well known college um he went in as a as the underdog uh he was the last recruit to get a scholarship there uh at i think he went to Florida Atlantic right or was yep. it Florida and yep.
1: Atlanta um
0: and and he he ended up uh has the the all-time um receiving record uh for them in terms of a tight end and uh the thing that i really like about him is he's quick He's small. He could get a block, Um, and I think his play style kind of reminds me a little bit of Jimmy Graham. Um, I I like his. He could make a play in the open in open field, and I saw him play against the Buckeyes, and uh, dude, I I, he wowed me. To be honest, he wowed me. Um, I saw him do an interview. His answers really impressed me. He sounded intelligent. So, to me, I I am happy with Harrison Bryant. Yeah. Um, and you guys already know how I feel about Donovan Peoples-Jones, so we don't even have to go there.
1: <laughs> yeah, and uh, just, just to put the bow on uh, Bryant there also, we've – you know, Stefanski's on record saying, you know, he, you know, he can never have t- uh, too many tight ends. Uh, and so, you know, we've seen the packages that he's used uh, back in Minnesota with Kyle Rudolph and Smith, Irv Smith, I believe it is uh, the rookie tight end last year that um, that saw a lot of playing time. You know, you think about, you know, obviously you have Austin Hooper, then David Njoku, who is, uh, and who is a freak of nature, really, um, but has just been a little plagued by the injury bug. So, uh, if Anthony Harrison Bright can be good insurance uh, at the tight end position, but I really think that we're going to see some Harrison or a good amount of Harrison Bryant this, this season, uh, just in Stefanski's packages and how he likes to utilize the tight end.
0: What do you, I mean, give me, let me put it this way. Let's say, uh, Harrison Bryant more or less than four touchdowns. What do you think?
1: Um, honestly, I would, I would say four hits are right on the head, uh, so I I would go less nothing in Harrison Bryant, but you just think about the talent on that team. Yeah. Um, you know this is especially in the red zone. This is a team just based. You know, it was just one year last year, but um, but a team that would tend to throw throw the jump ball for Odell in goal line situations, and I have an Austin Hooper, uh, and then you have you know Nick Chubb, uh, and Kareem. So, I think four is a perfect number. Uh, if, that, if I was predicting, if that was my projection for Harrison Bright, which is a great, great season, great touchdown um, number for a rookie wide receiver, especially a rookie, not, not wide receiver tight end, but especially for a fifth round rookie. You know, to get four yeah. receiving touchdowns in the fifth round at that value, sign me up for that.
0: I thought he was a fourth rounder.
1: Uh I'll double check, but I I thought he might have been fourth round. He might have been fourth round.
0: Um the thing I like about Harrison Bryant is that um are oh, gonna... right,
1: you're right, fourth round. Yeah. No, it's My good.
0: But no, it's good fourth... because honestly all those draft picks run together, so it's good. Still at the, still at the fourth round. I mean, four. Yeah, you're getting you four... know, I think he's gonna be uh, I think he's gonna be a 25 catch guy. Um and he's gonna have uh between two and four touchdowns. I think that's probably, and that's good. I think that's good for a rookie. Um, and then maybe, because I do know that Njoku is injury plagued a lot. Maybe they decide to move on from him in favor of a Harrison Bryant.
1: Yeah. And and here's a, here's a rookie contract that was just signed that, you know, you have them cheap for a few years and you have flexibility at the tight end position Uh, Going forward with that. So I I agree. Yeah, it's great move. Great move by the Browns and speaking of great moves. Also, we mentioned um, The offensive line how that was an issue last year Um, Bill Callahan was the Browns new offensive line coach was on CBD this week just talking up the guys talking up uh, wills Jedrick wills their first-round pick and just the talent that he sees of uh, him, the potential that he sees out there, but I, I feel I feel almost dirty that we haven't mentioned Bill Callahan coming to the Cleveland Browns yet yeah that that's season. huge and he is if for for those of you that don't know, Bill Callahan is regarded as the the best offensive line the coach. premier offensive line coach the premier yes. offensive line uh yes. think about where Zach Martin is right now, Bill Callahan was his coach. Uh, a, a guy that's been around uh, in the NFL for 30 plus years who has had coaching experience. And now, and this was part of why the Browns have come in so high on a lot of people's rankings on who won the offseason, who did the best to help their team, is because they got the, the guy that, that coaches the, his position the best out of anybody else. They got him on their team to coach the weakest position that they had last year so uh, so Callahan was on CBD talking about how much he loves the game of, of Wills and how he was really impressed at the combine how he would throw out different scenarios when they were watching film and he would kind of trick him kind of lead him into uh, these questions over his blocking like why why, why would you why would you block why, why would you go for this guy that doesn't make any sense and wills had explanation for that. Uh, and knew exactly what he was doing. So we heard we we first straight from the from the guy himself. Bill Callahan is a big fan of uh, Jedrick Wills and of the offensive line in general. And even better, he wants the Hoff, our own Joe Thomas, to be a part of the program and to be helping these guys out as much as as much as he can. So it was great to hear uh, Bill Callahan um, talk of the offensive line and how excited he is to be in Cleveland this year.
0: Well, what I like about what the Browns have done this year is they've went out and they've gotten smart guys and they've gotten the guys that are the best of the best. Uh, Joe yeah. Woods is probably the best defensive backs coach in football, um, and he's now your D coordinator. Um, Joe, uh, Bill Callahan, the best offensive line coach uh, in football. They've got a um, – I'm blanking on his name right now, but the quarterback coach that just came in um, has worked with – a lot of half quarterbacks uh you just have a lot of expertise um Andrew Barry incredibly smart gentleman um Harvard guy and uh you know just everybody they're putting in there is is very intelligent um oh it's a lot of it's a lot of
1: uh Ivy League guys
0: yeah for sure. So, um, listen, smart people usually do good in life. Yeah. And, uh, and that translates to football. So, uh, smart people really good at football. And I like the fact that Andrew Barry is really high on uh, metrics, you know. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and, and stats and, and things like that. Analytics. Yeah. Um, he, he's open to that. I think analytics are huge in sports because what you're doing is you're taking, you're breaking it down into numbers and it takes, it completely takes the motion out of your play calling. So if you're playing the 49ers and you look at the analytics that say that on third and five, the best way to get a first down on the 49ers is to run. A outside zone sweep with a power back. Yeah. Well, you could do that then. You know, what I mean, you could do that then. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And and that gives you an advantage because you have the numbers.
1: Yeah, and it works perfectly with you know the the guy behind the force himself, uh, Paul Paul uh, Paul De, De, De Whoa, yep. I'm, I'm that was a struggle to get that out. Um, that It works perfectly with him and just you know really being the 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 one that's really made this huge push for analytics in this day and age um and so yeah everything really seems to be falling in place um what so so we say this right now right everything seems to be falling in place everything seems to be clicking great off season the the front office guys make sense for each other the coaching staff and the players the schemes, the packages, the talent level, it all makes sense right now. So my question is, we were saying this all a year ago also. So what what is the difference or is there a difference from what we were saying a year ago to right now after this past football season?
0: Well, we don't have a guy that's new to coaching. Um, yeah. One. Uh, two, we have guys that are um, the best of the best in terms of coaching. We didn't have a Joe Woods as a D coordinator last year. We didn't have Bill Callahan as an offensive line line coach, uh, and we lacked a lot of discipline. And I think that the Browns players now understand that it takes more than hype to win a football game, uh, and that's really what it just boils down to for me.
1: Yeah, and, and I agree. And not just uh, you know, some might argue, oh, Freddie catches Ben Leakey's coach, but they didn't have he didn't have any offensive coordinator experience except for those five or however many weeks that he was in charge there, uh, which, you know, I mean, I'm a strong believer in taking teams by surprise. You know, if, if you insert a new quarterback in the middle of a game, in the middle of a season, the, the, the opposing defense doesn't have the opportunity to, to train up well, on like him. To, to watch the film. Yeah, he might go off for a few games. Yeah. Uh, but then one, once, they, once they learn his bad habits, they will just shut him down. Uh, and so, I kind of wonder if that's not in Freddie Kitchens, but just overall, yeah, I agree with you. The experience uh, at the at the, you know, not just positions, but at the most important positions, head coach, um, you know, and in an area of weakness and offensive line, just getting a Bill Callahan in there. And then I think, yeah, I think the little taste of humble pie last year is gonna go a long way. we We know how Baker, thrives uh, after being told he can't do it or being told that he's not that good. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think, I think last year might've been the struggles at the head might've been the, you know, could turn out to be a really good thing, you know, and I would, we have wished they would have learned that week two as opposed to coming in this new season. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all would have, but um, again, we gotta remember this is a young team at, at the, um, at the most important positions, uh, young players that are asked to carry a large load. Literally, with Nick Chubb, uh, who he, he we we can leave him out. Of this. that guy's a beast. That guy's a stud. And he 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 was. I think the best part of the team last year. Um, but yeah, so I would agree with you. Those are major differences to consider coming into the season uh, because you know all these all these guys are here going to say. Uh, it's always, it's always next year with the Browns. Uh, last year, I was convinced it was last, It was going to be last year. Not Super Bowl, but contender, good season. Uh, now this year, I, I really think it, – it, I feel like, like it would have, have to be a scenario of them being themselves at this point, which could happen. We saw the interceptions last year. It could happen them being themselves. We saw the penalties last year. Um, but but I, I I really like how things are shaping up uh, on the lake.
0: Well, I think that being themselves is going to get them wins. And I think last year they didn't have an identity, and I think that was the problem. Uh, I think they've lacked an identity. Um, and, and when they were – you know, honestly, Nick Chubb was the highlight of that team. And I saw Kitchens kind of going away from him toward the end of the season. And to me, that's just unacceptable for a head coach. Um, Kitchens, I like him. I liked him as as an offensive coordinator. Um, But like you said, he didn't scheme um, the second half at all, I felt like. He came out, you know, you would see Baker come out, and the Browns would do fantastic for a half, and then they would fall off. So, um, you know, and I think Baker, he's a comeback kid. You know, so I think he's yep, going to come
1: back I agree. And,
0: and rock it. Uh, speaking of, of comeback kids, uh, please come back, NBA. Come back, kids. Let's bring this stuff back. Uh, I'm ready to, to watch some NBA. Um, it seems likely that that the NBA, uh, you know, Adam Silver came out, and I think he said, like, look, we're going to play. Um, at some point, yeah. Well,
1: not sure exactly point. on a month or timetable, but – It's looking like this training camp could be starting here sooner than later.
0: So, let me ask you this, Chris. Um, Looking at the standings today, taking into account, um, we're kind of running short on time, but let's just do this quickly. Um, Looking at the standings today, let's go through the East. um, And it looks like there's three teams that have clinched. um, Milwaukee, Toronto, and Boston. um, Followed by Miami. Uh, the Pacers, Philadelphia, um, and and so out of those teams, given the um, given the break for the Eastern Conference, the Eastern Conference is pretty weak, um, who do you think will be the best team coming out of the East?
1: Yeah, the the East is tough just because we've seen a lot of inconsistencies across the board, uh, specifically with the 76ers, um, and so – you know, I feel like it's too easy to say Milwaukee. I just really don't see them finishing it out. Um, you know, the Greek freak the Greek freak is amazing, he's a fantastic player. Uh but it's and, and I really enjoy watching them. But I just think of a team like Toronto that started started getting hot uh towards this last bit of the season. I think they could still make a push. That's still a solid team, and what I would consider an MVP candidate, and Pascal Siakam, who has really, really turned it on uh, this season. Um, then I, I've even got a dark horse in, in Indiana. You look at them at the five seed, uh, just seven games back of the number two Toronto, um, and this is a team that went the majority of the season without Victor Oladipo, and now he's back. Great coaching. Uh, and as a solid team, uh, between between Oladipo um, and oh, I'm blanking on his name. Big man, big man. Uh, Miles both, Turner? No, 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 no. Um, oh. oh, oh no, yeah, yeah. Miles Turner and Miles Turner. Uh, Sabonis. Sabonis. That's Ma- yeah, yeah. Sabonis.
0: He's good too. And, and so let's yeah. get my
1: dark horse team. I mean, Milwaukee's looked really, really good. Um, If it was just line up a bunch of teams in front of me, I would pick Milwaukee just because of the Greek freak. And I I love the supporting cast. I sometimes question the depth with Milwaukee. Um, I think when you're playing a guy like uh, like Dante uh, DiVincenzo so much, that's kind of an issue. Um, Defensive
0: liability for sure, I think.
1: Yeah. uh, So, but – and the way the standings are, Milwaukee's a, a runaway to finish with the number one seed with 53 wins. I, I just I just don't see them coming out. So I would have to go. I think I'd have to go with Toronto. Um or or Miami, I think would be my two favorites. But I just like what Toronto's done. I like their coaching. And I like, like I said, a little bit of a hot streak they're on at the end. Um and, you know, with, with, within their last ten games, going six and four on a four-game winning streak at the right time. Remember, part of the playoffs is about just getting in. And we see a lot of teams that just happen to get in, get in, because they get hot and then they start to make a little bit of noise. And I think Toronto has the talent not to just make a little bit of noise, but to make a run at it. But, uh, so what, what do you think?
0: Um, well, I, I really – I think my dark horse team uh, to go to the finals is Miami Heat. Uh, one because I love Jimmy Butler. Uh, two because of Bam Adebayo. Uh, he's really come into his own yep. um, in terms of of defining uh, his identity as, at the five. Um, they they still have gorgeous drafters, don't they? Yep. He's so like listen. He is so nice. Um, the dragon. And, yes. Yeah. And um, and. I just think that Spolstra has a way of of just elevating his team. And so I think my dark horse team would be Miami. Um, I think they have the talent to beat everybody there, um, especially when you have a, a pretty good rim protector. I mean, he's not the best rim protector, but Bam Adebayo is good at yeah. protecting the rim. And they have a sound white side. So – um uh, what Whiteside's actually in Portland. Oh, he's in Portland now? Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh shit. I, I, hated, I hated to see it also, but yeah. Wow. Uh, White in Portland.
0: When did they deal him?
1: Uh coming in this season.
0: Oh salty. <laughs> wow. I thought they had well, I know they have Bam out of Wyo, and I uh, Whiteside came to me as like a afterthought. You're right yeah. now that I think about it. Um but no, yeah, I, I like them a lot. I like I like Miami. Um, and the other team that I really like is Boston. Uh, one, because I think Kim Walker is fantastic. Um, he's a great guard. He's never really had the team and the opportunity to make a lot of noise, but he's always been good. Um, Agreed. So, that's one thing that I, I really like, and I'm really excited for him because now he has a chance to define his legacy here in 2020, and he has a chance to to say, listen, I'm a great guard too, you know? And, yeah. um, and I think that if he's on a better team, I think he's a Hall of Fame player. Um, uh, and the other person I really like, I think this guy is going to be um, in the conversation 10 years from now for GOAT, and that's Jason Tatum. That guy is a monster. Um, he doesn't talk, dude. He shows up. He plays the game of basketball, and um, and he, he just – he rocks it, you know. Um, I, I like their team a lot. Um, I also like the way uh, they play – I like the way they play basketball. I like their style of basketball. Um, and – Now that I think about it, I really like Toronto as well. Um, Toronto, the thing that they do well is, uh, is utilize Pascal Siakam. I really like Kyle Lowry. I think he is a undervalued player, uh, because he just his ability, um, to, to handle the ball. And the thing Kyle Lowry is he's a, he is a guy that's going to try really hard for you. And, um, and so, in terms of that, I think that Toronto is going to be uh, a tough, a tough out as yeah. well.
1: Yeah, and you think about a team that just has that championship experience, um, and and so yeah, I I, I agree. Um, and yeah, back to Boston too. Jason Tatum, he he has really taken off this year, and it's been a lot of fun, a lot of fun to watch. I know there was a couple of uh, of roadblocks uh a couple of bumps in the road earlier this season which makes me kind of question them question them a little bit but overall great body of work and uh, and i love i love what they're doing um and so going to the west man it's it's not a debate for me it's between the two l.a's um and i've got to give it i've got to give advantage lakers um i came in this i came into this year's a little questionable about anthony davis's longevity uh, and the depth that the Lakers have put around he, he and LeBron, um, which playoff time shouldn't be a big deal because we we know LeBron He's, he'll he'll give you 48 if you need 48 uh, every night, um, but just in guys like Dwight Howard being able to step up uh, and Javale McGee just really solidifying the post, and and Anthony Davis has proven me wrong and has really really stuck it out and been consistent this season. Um, and I, and I, I, like the Clippers too. Uh, you know, you want to talk about depth, you know, that's the epitome depth right there. Uh, and Kawhi Leonard's forever unshakable. Uh, I do have a dark horse in Denver, so I'm kind of going one through three. Uh, but I, I just, cause I think it's that straightforward. I love how Denver plays. Um, I love, I love the dad bod uh, God. Dad Bod Gog and, uh, and the Joker. Um, I, I love how they play. I love how they work the ball around. I love, you know, Jamal Murray is such a good player. They really have uh, guys to, for each aspect of the game, whether it's, you know, shooting, you know, whether it's down low, mid range, shooting the three. They got the clutch factor there. Um, and they have the leadership in in Coach Malone. But I don't see them overtaken either of the L.A.s. And I got to get my nods to the Lakers for LeBron. Now, one team that I wish would make it in, and if we pick back up with the playoffs as it is, I'd be a little bummed out. But that's the New Orleans Pelicans because I don't know if you got to watch much of them down the stretch when Zion came back. But talk about a fun team to watch, a young team, a team that runs and guns it, the connection between Lonzo and Zion. Uh, and then Brandon Ingram, just another guy that's just really taken off this year. Um, I, I think I, – I, re- I wish the Pelicans could be there at the eighth seed and take on the Lakers in the first round. Um, that's a team that I really, I really could watch um, watch play. And hopefully they get a chance to um, to play a few more games and get in there because J.J. Riddick's got a lot on the line. He's made he's made it to the playoffs. Uh, every year he's been in the NBA, and so uh, and so they would have the Riddick factor going for them. So out of the West is between the two LAs, and I would have to go Lakers.
0: And sneaky sneaky story here that nobody's really talking about: uh, Bojan Bogdanovic is injured. Um, he's having surgery. He's not coming back, and I feel like that really hurts. Um, that really hurts the West and their chances to stop LeBron. Uh, yeah. Any team that I feel like could – the team that I feel like if they played the Lakers that could have a chance to beat them in in, in seven would be the Jazz. Uh, one, because Rudy Gobert is an excellent rim protector, um, and, and he's an elite defensive player. And when we see something – when we see something that is like – that really LeBron tends to struggle with, which there's not a lot, it's an annoyance at the wing and it 's an elite rim protector and and I think that uh, I think that the jazz have that they have an annoyance at the wing and, and they have an elite rim protector, and so I think they can get that done. I also like Donovan Mitchell. is it Donovan Mitchell out there? I always get yeah. him and, yeah. uh, and the other yeah. guy from Denver mixed up
1: the, the spider Murray,
0: Jamal Murray right yeah
1: the spider Donovan Mitchell he 's there Yes Brown. Yep.
0: I love donovan Mitchell um, he 's a great player. Uh, seen him play uh, a number of times and uh, the, the thing I really love his ability to to finish at the rim to get to the rim I like his ball handling ability I've got I think he's got a he's got a good shot um, yeah. and and he's not the greatest um passer but but he's he's proficient We'll put it that way. Yep. Um, he's a yeah. great player to go forward in the NBA. So I think if anybody has a chance of, of beating um, of beating the Lakers, it would be the Jazz. Um, the Clippers as well. I mean, obviously the Clippers could, but I- I'm just saying uh, for an upset of the Lakers, I think it would be the Jazz. Um, yeah,
1: and, and the Jazz also have – they added an extra piece uh, closer to when the league went down a couple weeks prior to that and uh, getting a Mike Conley fully healthy, your guy Mike Conley, and you think about what he can do at the point guard position, and he uh, coming out of the gate after his injury, um, you know, around end of January, early February, you know, he was struggling a little bit, but he was really starting to find a groove there with Utah, and so that's just another weapon that they have. Um, I'm really happy Oklahoma City has done as well as they have also. Talk about a team that – A lot of people wrote off after Westbrook left last year, and uh, and they bring in an aging Chris Paul with a mega contract that nobody is going to trade for. And now here they are, currently the fifth seed in the West, uh, just kind of doing their thing. Uh, Winners of three straight going into this uh, closure. And so I don't think they'll make a run, but it's 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 just good to see a good story, a team that lost their superstar but is still trying to, do everything right, and it isn't fully thrown in the towel.
0: But listen, dude, hey, SGA is the future. Yes. yes. Uh, Shea Gillis-Alexander, he is he's a baller. He is a baller. And, and that is what – listen, I, you know, I don't get to really watch the NBA much, but I will watch the Oklahoma City Thunder because that guy is a baller, and he's just a joy to watch. Um, I, and I like, you know, I like Chris Paul. He's, he's good. I like Steven Adams cause he's burly and he kind of looks like a lumberjack. Um, yep. but, and I like the, I like OKC's uniforms. You know, yeah. the NBA season is just so long and so much of it doesn't really matter. Um, because it's, you know, like I'm not going to watch the Lakers play the Cavs. I'm sorry. I'm just not, it's going to be a terrible basketball game. Yeah. So, Whoa. um, but, but I will turn, I tune in and I watch, You know, I watch the Cavs, I tune in, I watch, okay, see, I watch teams that really, like, wow me, you know? Yeah,
1: and you you talk about SGA, that's a perfect three-piece of guards in Oklahoma City between CP3, SGA, and Dennis Schroeder there also, a veteran point guard in his own right, and then also with Daniello Gallinari uh, at their four, so, I mean, that's a solid team, but, you know, I think this will go down as a time in the West where, I think we'll, we'll, the finals, the NBA in general, where LeBron's just a team killer. Um, and so these, these teams have solid, solid guys. I mean, James Harden knows that the most, not with LeBron, but with the Warriors. Um, the West is so competitive that, OKC okay, they could run it in the East, but the West is just, it's just so tough out there. Uh, and so, yep, those are, those are my favorites for the NBA, and I hope we we're able to watch them back in action soon.
0: Let me ask you one question before we move on to our list. Um, let me ask you this, Chris. What NBA player, what NBA team do you think – well, one, what NBA player, I want to define that. Two, what NBA team do you think needs to win a, a ring most? And, and the NBA team doesn't necessarily have to be the one that the players on. You see what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, just which franchise has to win a ring. Which
0: franchise you think needs a a ring most out of the playoffs and which – followed by which player in terms of just in general every player that looks like they're going to make the playoffs.
1: Well, I'm going to cheat a little bit and get them both out with my answer because this is an easy answer, and that's the Milwaukee Bucks. You talk about a team that's trying to sell uh, itself on its superstar. Uh, They know the temptation is out there with the small market that they are uh i was honestly surprised that they didn't just name the brand new arena after Giannis uh to try to persuade him to stay so that's my team that uh that absolutely needs to to win a championship and that's that's who i think could really be hurt by the shutdown if there's any sort of a limited well it's going to be limited but if there's any sort of a um limited playoff scenario that we look back on, we say that might've messed up the Bucks. That might put them at a, miss, at a disadvantage. I think that could really uh, hurt the M- Milwaukee Bucks um, And in their pursuit of, and uh, locking up Giannis for the long run, because he'll have pl- plenty of suitors. And we've seen many times that, um, that these guys, they're not really in it for the supermax, you know. Milwaukee can offer them the supermax. They're like, yeah, I can make that endorsements. I'd rather go win. I'd rather go play with guys that I really want to. Uh, and so both answers there. And and Giannis really needs to win a ring, I think, in his own right, just to sell the Bucks to him. You know, you know, establish that this is a place where I can win a win a championship. Because he talked about a team that's currently fifty three and twelve. Uh, which is which is the best record in the NBA so you're thinking if they don't get to the finals then that's 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 a inward issue that's not that's not talent that's not a regular season gameplay that's an internal issue that happened there Uh, you don't go 53 and 12 accidentally and if they don't make the playoffs I think that's huge for Giannis and, and maybe questioning, is this some place that I can win? I mean, not pl- playoffs. they don't make it to the finals, I think that could be a legitimate question. Giannis, is there some place that is is Milwaukee some, uh, a place where I can win consistently? Uh, and then let alone see how the finals goes if they do make it. So Milwaukee and Giannis are my are my answer there. What do you think?
0: Okay, so for franchise, uh, this is a franchise that is always viewed as a little brother. Um, they've had really hard time filling their stadium before. Actually, there's been times where they've been booed in their own building, um, and they've went out. They've spent a lot of money in free agency, and, and that's the L.A. Clippers. Uh, I think they need a ring uh, because they've had great teams in the past. They've spent a lot of money in the past bringing in guys like Chris Paul, uh, bringing in guys like – uh, they've got, they had Blake Griffin, they had DeAndre Jordan, they had these big guys uh, to bring in. So I think they need a win one just to say, listen, we're in LA too. Um, I, I think that's huge. And then uh, the player, I think that needs the most is uh, I think the the player that needs the most is this is tough because I want to say LeBron, um, just for his legacy, but at the same time, I really think James Harden needs the ring. Um, and the reason I say James Harden is because um, he's been in the playoffs a lot, but he's never been um, he's 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 never been that kind of a a leader, um, number one guy. And so, yeah, I have to go with James Harden. I think yeah. that he, he – I think that they – to be honest, man, I think that they – the league does not like James Harden. And a lot of people don't like James Harden. And, and I think that he needs to get it done to say, I am an elite player. I am a Hall of Fame player. And I'm not going to be one of these guys that's elite at a position and not win a ring. So I I think he needs that. Okay. Finally, moving on. Listen, so here's the thing. We're going to do top five players uh, of any sports that we think uh, could have a a big enough story to have a 10-part docu-series done on them. So we'll start with five. We'll work our way down. Um, Obviously inspired by The Last Dance. Um, Chris, who's your number five?
1: So, number five for me, I kind of um, did a mixture between players and teams. Uh, I looked at teams of the past um, just because that was kind of how the last dance was set up. Yes, it was Michael Jordan, but it also brought in the whole Bulls dynasty all together. So, my number five is the Dallas Cowboys dynasty. This is an, this is an era uh, before I was alive, before I was watching football, um, and I just – you know I, I, would, I feel like I would learn so much in what makes the, what made the Cowboys the Cowboys that they are today. There were a lot of Super Bowls. Uh, and how did how did America's team really get established um, and and just what that looked like, and the dominance that they had. So my number five would be the Dallas Cowboys.
0: Okay, my number five. Uh, this is a guy that's uh, both hated and loved in sports. Um, One of the highest paid athletes, uh, probably actually the highest paid athlete. Uh, I hate him. I cannot stand him. Uh, I don't think that he is, uh, he is good. Okay, listen, he's the goat at what he does. Uh But the thing is, this guy's a major douche. And that's Floyd Mayweather. I think Floyd Mayweather would be an awesome docu-series. One, because he's just got the character um, to I think it would be funny kind of like Jordan where he's a cocky guy, you know, yeah. and he's going to tell you exactly what was going through his mind. He's going to tell you exactly what he thinks about the players uh, that were in uh, his way or in opposition to him, the boxers. He's going to say all of that stuff. And um, and I think he's got a really good backstory uh, coming up. I, I, he's faced a lot of oppression, um, in his life, a lot of barriers. And, and so for me, I would have to say Floyd Mayweather for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I, I would be really interested Cause I know, yeah, the whole point of these is to just learn uh, more than what, what, you know, and especially in a sport like boxing, which isn't a mainstream sport. I think a lot of us out there could, could learn a lot from that. Um, and also just be, a little sickened at how much money that dude has <laughs> and, and how he's living uh and so so yeah um number four for me uh it's your guy and I'll explain why I'm interested in this but number four for me would be LeBron and part of me wonders about this wonders am I not that excited about documentary on him because he's in an era where, where we already see so much about him where we where, you know, with social media, uh, we see a lot of things he does off the court already. And we saw some of that with Jordan. But, like, to another extent, you know, with behind-the-scenes features and all of this. So, mine would be LeBron. But also, more specifically, I, would, I, I could watch a series on just the 2015-16 uh, Cavaliers. Uh, well, starting in 2014, those two seasons, LeBron's return until they win it all. And just look at those two years of new coach, losing to the Warriors, LeBron just really being the last man standing in that first fi- in that first uh, finals matchup, uh, the, the pain of losing to the Warriors, um, and what that offseason looked like for the team, especially in a city where championships have been so few. And then coming to the next season with the coaching change, bringing on, you know, all, you know, these big name guys, having these tryouts for guys that um, that didn't make the team. But bringing in like a Larry Sanders um, or like, you know, there are the reports that Ray Allen was visiting the arena Um, and just I feel like we would learn a lot that just went into the first attempt being back in Cleveland, where the morale was after they lost and then how they finished it off. Um, But I'm curious, do you think that some of our modern athletes get hurt a little bit in your interest for a documentary because of the access that we have to them now? Uh,
0: Yes, because of social media. Um, We see so much on social media. um, And also guys like Adam Schefter uh, that constantly – Adam Schefter, Brian Windhorse, uh, these guys are constantly breaking NBA news with stuff that's going on. Uh, Everybody's so thirsty for attention. Uh, Every team is so thirsty for attention that they just leak whatever they can, uh, people on the staff. And, you know, so to me it it does. But, listen, I could see them doing a 10-part docuseries uh, 20 years from now where people have forgotten about it kind of. Um, They know about it. They know about how LeBron beat the 73-win team. They know about it, but they – that's true. They kind of
1: forget about it. So, so maybe yes. So maybe like it would be like with us with Jordan. This would involve. This would have to be many years down the road. That's a, that's a great point.
0: Right. So okay, number four for me. Um, this I really like. I think this guy has faced a lot of adversity. I don't know if this has already been done or not, um, but I think a ten-part docu-series on the life of Michael Vick would be fantastic. Uh, one, just because of his time spent at Virginia Tech um, and, and working with a, a legendary coach like Frank Beamer. Um, and then also, I, I think that his time at the Falcons, uh, where he was lighting the league up. Um, then about him getting caught dogfighting, his time in prison, Coming back and getting a shot, um, and how I, I just think that there's a lot of ebbs and flows in that, and I think that would be extremely interesting. Plus, I really like Michael Vick, and I like Virginia Tech. So,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah that that would be that would be really really interesting. Uh, I'm going to hit on another guy, not this next pick, but here soon, who's had uh, some ups and downs also. But so for number three for me, it'd be the U. Uh, and I know there's been some documentaries out there which, like, really flush it out uh, in, in, like, a huge ten-part series like we saw at The Last Dance. Again, another dynasty that I am really not all that familiar with. I know the names, but what, what really intrigues me is just the turnstile of NFL talent, college football legends, that they're able to just, you know, uh, produce and uh, just – Turn out every single year and just the dominance that they had the ruggedness, the swag that they had, you know, again, these are all things that have really been told to me and that I've learned about from, from various clips, but that'd be a docu-series. That would be really, really interested in watching.
0: Okay. Number three for me, um, this is a guy uh, that is, that is really uh, dominant in his sport. Uh, he also has a, a really intense uh, character. And it's a sport that a lot of people don't really watch. Um, and that's John McEnroe uh, with t- and tennis. T- nice. And uh, yeah. I think, you know, just to see him, I mean, I think some clips of him blowing up would be fantastic. Uh, and just to have him talk about what was going through his mind when he was blowing, blowing up. I, I don't know. I think that would be entertaining. Maybe it wouldn't be. I don't know
1: yeah yeah but
0: it definitely nice. came to my mind
1: cool yeah yeah that's good that's good um so for my number two i'm gonna go with another goat there's a theme here uh and our very own tom brady which breaking news on um breaking news this week espn is producing a tom Brady uh documentary that's going to be coming out in 2021 check out the trailer um but but yeah i, I gotta go tom brady And this is one that I could definitely use it, uh, a player and team uh, uh, working together and learning a lot from. I mean, during our lifetime, the Patriots have kept everything behind closed doors and just to be able to open that up a little bit and uh, and just hear exactly what was going on. How do they keep this dynasty year in and year out? What do these off seasons look like? What do these conversations look like? What are the sacrifices? I'm sure there's been a ton of sacrifices we don't even know about. What do these sacrifices look like uh, to achieve uh, a run that's been so legendary um, and unstoppable? So my number two is Tom Brady and the New England Patriots.
0: I love that, man. I, I would love to know kind of what's going on in between Bill Belichick and Tom Brady yes. and the yes. see like how their dynamic was and to see him kind of be unfiltered about that potentially, yeah. I think that would be fantastic. And I maybe thought, even have Bill Belichick talk about Tom Brady. I mean, I'm sure that there was some times where they really had friction. So
1: yeah, and I think that I, would be- I almost put Bill Belichick as a single one himself and Tom Brady. So I think if you could, I mean, you could do five episodes each on, on the two of them. So, um, so yeah, that, that, that'd
0: be really interesting. All right. You're number two, Mitch. Number two for me. Um, this – I think I have to go Tiger Woods um, because Tiger Woods is just – he's probably one of the most dominant people I've ever seen.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, in a sport. He, and it's crazy that he still won't catch uh, Palmer, <laughs> and that's incredible. But uh, he – just watching him is is phenomenal. And so, Tiger, best to ever play golf. Um ebbs and flows man for sure when he got caught with all that all that stuff going on um that that i would have to go with tiger woods
1: yeah yeah that's a really good one and um before i go to my number one some honorable mentions uh for me is michael phelps the olympic great and just you know again we talk about sacrifices work ethic and just really background because you know you learn a lot when you learn about these guys backgrounds and the different things and how they got involved in the sport that they got into and when i'm always interested in hearing okay when when do they realize that i'm i'm taking this over uh and so michael phelps was a was an honorable mention for me um and so, and then also outside of sports, an honorable mention for me is I would love a documentary of Robert Downey Jr. You want to talk about a guy? Yes. You want to talk about a guy that, you know, we, we know the past with, you know, with drug addiction, and, but still doing, still making some really good movies of Charlie Chaplin getting, um, getting nominated for that uh, early in his career and then really coming to a hiatus and picking it back up and and now has be know, tony stark yeah I mean, now tony? which is arguably maybe the most known character of all time through any movie and just a legendary character in itself so and there's not love, an
0: actor that could play tony stark better than, yes, than, <laughs> yes I, would, I mean, like
1: just how good he is so, it I, was I perfect lo- i would love i would love a rdj uh um documentary that i'd be all in for that um and so yeah so my number one you just mentioned that's tiger woods uh and and yeah so you you mentioned he's not even considered you know the best in terms of stats behind nicholas um but just um and just his transcendence for golf and just you know what looks like today and he and his story has the drama of that Thanksgiving Day and the golf club at the car window, and his comeback, uh, leading into last year, even, um, and just the tiger roars, the scores, um, you know, shooting the 61 in 2013, and just, just yeah, just a guy that has, and then just building his brand off Nike and in a sport like golf, uh, and and so. So, yeah, Tiger Woods would be number one for me. And I if they're making top red, I got to believe ESPN might be throwing someone out there for Tiger Woods here soon.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so honorable mentions for me. One, uh, you won't find a more polarizing Buckeye figure than JT Barrett. That's just an uh, – this is an honorable mention, not my number one. But uh, I think JT Barrett has – from being a backup, getting thrown in suddenly, um, getting hurt. Winning a national championship, I guess, and then uh, coming back, putting together one of the most phenomenal Big Ten seasons of all time, uh, throwing to his quarterback, uh, having a split season with with Cardale Jones, that was dramatic, dude. Now that yeah. I look back at it, that is a dramatic season and a dramatic time for for JT Barrett. So I would love to get it to get a documentary about that. Um, the second one that I would really like to see would be Archie Griffin um, with his two time Heisman trophy um, and then his uh, uh, obviously his lack of success in the NFL um, i I just think that would be really good to see uh, two documentaries maybe maybe you're not getting a full ten but but you're getting close seven eight you know um even six, probably six for Parcy Griffin would probably be good. Um, okay. Number one for me, uh, the guy that I think would be most entertaining in a 10 part docu-series, the guy who I think was surrounded by very entertaining characters. Um, and that would be Terrell Owens. Uh, nice. I think Terrell Owens would be a great documentary. Um, there was a period of time where he was the best wide receiver in the league. Um, he struggled. He's got ego. Um, and he's been on some pretty good teams with some pretty dang good wide receivers beside him. And and they have some uh, – and they have some – some personality to them as well and I would love to see like defensive guys that had to guard him talk about him Mm -hmm. and his quarterbacks talk about him and his coaches talk about him and his you know so I think that that would be a good one and also another honorable mention for real since we're on wide receivers would be Chad Ochocinco. I I I thought that that might have been it
1: for you. (laughs) I thought that might have been number one.
0: Yes, Chad Ochocinco would also be I didn't think about it until now, but I think Chad Ochocinco would be really good. Yeah. Because his mic'd up stuff is gold.
1: Yep. Yep. So. and that's that's what makes this so hard. I mean you talk about ten parts to it. That's a lot. That's yeah. a lot of footage there. And so um so yeah, that's what makes this really, really difficult. Ten hours on somebody or or a team, that, that's that'd be pretty special. And those are all guys that I would definitely be uh definitely be interested in. No um no uh, Florida Gators for you? No Florida Gator championship dynasty? You're um, not no. inter- you're, you're, you're not no, interested in that? I don't want to see my Buckeyes get pounded again. So Twice. Twice. Basketball and football. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that would be rough.
0: Yeah. Okay, man, listen, uh, let's get we're, – we're over. We're way over. Thanks for sticking with us, guys. Uh, Chris, man, who's fried? Who's Rapid fried fire who's
1: fried. Who's fried for me, man? Uh, this week I gotta go with uh, my guys at 2K. Uh, currently in a in the league uh, in the league game mode right now, uh, which has been pretty it's been pretty accurate so far. They have a lot of these teams playing like they do in real life. Get to the playoffs, man, and uh, and we got the Denver Nuggets beating the L.A. Lakers. Uh, and I actually think the Lakers had a 2-0 lead, so. Uh, 2k you're fried on that end and not only that but the spurs being the clippers uh clippers being the two seed in my my 2k league so 2k what are you doing man you're fried i had so much faith in you um i gotta start forcing wins now man
0: (laughs) yes um that is kind of fried um I mean, listen, I could see if it was the jazz, but it's, it's, it's Denver. So, okay. Anyway, yeah. moving on. Uh, who's fried for me, Dak Prescott, you are fried. Yes. Uh, the Dallas is offering you $35 million a year. You're going to be the highest paid quarterback um, in, in the national football league and probably the highest paid ever. And, uh, and you're saying you want, you want north of 35 and you want more like 45 million per year. And I think that that's outrageous. You're good. Um, but you're not, you're not $45 million good. And I can name about six quarterbacks that I would rather take over you. And not only that, but I would almost rather take Andy Dalton on a less contract, on a on a way less expensive contract, go out and get incredible pieces the next year and and trade you because Andy Dalton is probably eighty five percent of what you are, and he'll come at a very uh, significant um, pay deduction, um, and and that will open up a ton of cap space. So, Dak Prescott, you. Going out, Jerry Jones has done a lot for you. I'm not siding with Jerry Jones. I don't like Jerry Jones, but he's done a lot for you. And at this point, Dak, you're just being greedy. So uh, sign the 35 mil, be happy, and go out there and win a Super Bowl. If not, Jerry will move on. 175, they offered
1: him, man. That's nuts. Uh, You know, if you're you're Pat Mahomes, I mean – are you surprised if, if Dak Prescott gets forty five million a year and if if you're the Chiefs front office are you I'm not surprised if Mahomes asked me for seventy million a year if Dak Prescott got forty five so yeah I, I totally agree with you Dak come on man come on now
0: uh, well, and no, we're gonna see worth. I think we're gonna see a a league that transitions from incredible quarterbacks like. Pat Mahomes because what they're going to do is they're going to set the market value for them way too high. And, and what's going to happen is quarterbacks will make themselves irrelevant and it will go back to being a running back and a wide receiver league. And so in my opinion, uh, it's kind of the natural cycle of of what happens right now. It's quarterback driven league, but I think that if the quarterbacks end up getting paid too much, what they're going to do is they're going to move away from these big name quarterbacks They're going to take them on the rookie deal, and then when their rookie deal comes off, they're going to cut them and have somebody else go and sign them and pay them the big amount of money. And then you have teams like the Steelers and and hopefully the Browns, but probably not, um, and the Cowboys and stuff making moves to where, listen, we could just plug a quarterback in, any quarterback. It doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? So I think we would see that in the league. So Dak Prescott, please don't do this to the league. I like the way it is now. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> good point. all right chris hey man it's been fun dude it's been fun
1: yeah it was it was good i mean like we had our guests on, um, which they were great but it was good just to sit back and talk with you again man you know and just yep. just just the two boys kicking it and uh and talking some sports so thanks for listening in
0: hey thanks guys for for showing up sorry we went we're going over where we're routinely going over um but that's okay because there's a lot to talk about and there's going to yeah. be even more to talk about and we'll have to fit it in into uh, some shorter shows once sports starts again, which I don't think is going to be very far from now. So Chris, man, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for, for, for co-hosting this. Um, and, and we're rolling, dude, we are rolling. Um, Brand White it on a few, uh, you know, a, a, an episode ago. He was a great guest. Perry was on. He was a great guest. Yeah. We had Andy Diamond on great guest um you know i think we're putting out good content
1: yeah i think so too and so uh we're loving it and uh yeah i can't wait to talk talk to you again next week